the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back as we head into our third hour of our daily three-hour tour. It's an honor uh, and a privilege uh, to welcome back to the show the Honorable Dr. Eleanor McCants-Katz. You've heard me mention her a lot lately. Uh, Doctor, it is a privilege and an honor to uh, welcome you back to the show. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for inviting me, Seth. You bet. I want to tell you a... um, a, a, a brief story that you probably don't know. There's no reason you'd necessarily know it. But I used to do monologues early on uh, when when we first learned about COVID, uh, January, February, March of 2020. And we'd put them up on YouTube uh, so for distribution. And they, they were weirdly being censored. YouTube was taking them down. And when we finally got to someone over there uh, of import, they said we can only use government sources. So I decided to uh, say that I was reading uh, verbatim a speech that you uh, gave in May of 2020. Uh, You were the Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services. You have a Ph.D. and uh, an M.D. um, as qualified a scientist, if not perhaps the most, in everything we were talking about, particularly children's mental health. And I read your speech verbatim, and they took that down too. I just I just wanted to let you know the world I operate in over here, Dr. McCants Katz. But the reason that it's important is now we're seeing people places like the New York Times, uh, we're seeing the current surge in general talking about the mental health outcomes of children over the course of the pandemic's mitigation strategies, particularly the mental health problems that um, you were warning about in May, as early, at least in public, that I could find in May of 2020. And it just made me think, you know, Churchill told Roosevelt we could call World War II the unnecessary war because it didn't have to happen if they had only listened to us. You must have some thoughts about that once in a while here. This was preventable. These outcomes for children were preventable. You talked about them in May of 2020. Is it a frustration for you that we're dealing with it now as cleanup? You know, I I wish very much that uh, my message could have been heard uh, back uh, in uh, over a year ago. Now, mm-hmm. um, it it is frustrating because because we're seeing the fallout of of what um, was very predictable. I mean, it's uh, I will just say it's not that 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 um, I have some amazing insight. Um, I I am a scientist as well as a physician, and I read the literature. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there was an existing literature that was available <laughs> for review um, when this pandemic got going back in February of 2020. And I was trying to sound the alarm because we had many research studies that showed that very short periods of restrictions and social isolation could cause mental health problems. 
And these problems um, were going to only be exacerbated by these long periods of lockdown. And so by May, the, the speech that you're speaking of, um, I had been talking about this um, with my own staff since the pandemic got going. But sure. in May, I started talking very publicly about it, hoping to focus attention on the needs of our children. And I'm really very concerned at, at this point in time of, of the damage that has been done that I think will be long-lasting, perhaps even irreparable. I mean, our children have lost virtually two years of schooling, and, and our schools do so much more for kids than just provide education. They provide social and emotional growth to our kids. Um, another thing that, that's so very important is that our teachers are mandatory reporters regarding abuse and neglect. And we have seen abuse rates of children go up during the course of the pandemic. And I don't know if most people know this, but over 50% of kids who have mental health problems get their, get their services in our schools. And all of those things have been shut down and even now are operating at varying degrees of, um, of availability for our kids. So well, that, that's what's so things. damn frustrating. Pardon my French, doctor, but that's what's so damn frustrating. People would know it if you weren't censored, if you weren't – if the quietest wasn't put on your message. I don't know the literature the way you do. I'd like to think I'm familiar or pretty familiar with a lot of children's mental health stuff just based on work I've done over the years. But I will tell you, it didn't take a PhD and an MD or even any of my degrees – to understand that if you dramatically uproot children's educational, social, uh, and, and social lives at the turn of a dime, you know, their after-school activities, their in-school activities, their ability to communicate uh, with adults, their ability to interchange and exchange with friends, if you pit them and their families one against the other, if you deprive them, <clears throat> excuse me, of their athletic outside the classroom athletic activities. It doesn't take someone with a lot of degrees to understand we're going to be experimenting on children in a way we never have when, as you also pointed out in May, it isn't as if we were doing a great success by our children before the pandemic. Correct. Correct. And, and the, other, the other issue, of course, that is, is really so concerning now is that We've got a situation where many healthcare professionals are leaving the field right. of right. of healthcare. Right. I think you cut out there. Did I? Did I catch you on a cutout? Yeah. There we go. It, going into the pandemic. Well, that's that's exactly right. And what's worrisome now is, you know, you would think we would learn this. The American Academy of Pediatrics, you saw their national state of emergency over children's mental health, I'm sure. Um, the Surgeon General put out a report just last month on it. But the odd thing is, I mean, we're looking at some major cities, Chicago, to be sure San Francisco is now engaging the debate again. They're doing it all over. It's You thought we would have learned. We, we, we thought we would have relearned. We still haven't learned, evidently. We, we haven't learned, and one of the reasons is that, that um, there, are, there are people that are picking and choosing the science okay. that Americans are uh, given access to. And, and so what I mean by that is that there are many studies that show the detrimental effects of children not being in school, 
Um, this is particularly true for for children of color, frankly. Yep. And uh, we also know that there were many uh, schools that did stay open, not our public schools, but other schools that did stay open during the pandemic, and we did not see huge outbreaks of COVID in these schools. It's really um, very unfortunate that Americans are not given all of the information so that they can make informed choices. And we see, uh, we still see hysteria on the part of many uh, different media outlets about the virus. We're at a point now in the pandemic where we have a virus that is highly contagious, but it is far less virulent, far less lethal than the previous uh, Delta and the original uh, COVID-19 coronavirus. We've got treatments. We've got monoclonal antibodies. We've got intravenous remdesivir. We've got oral medications. We've got vaccinations. We've got boosters. We have many ways to mitigate the risk and the negative effects of this virus. And we need to learn to live with it because it's not going anywhere. This will be with us just like flu. It will be with us in an ongoing way. The virus will change. The vaccines are going to change over time. And we have to get on with our lives. We need to stop the hysteria and start taking care of our families uh, with attending to more than just viral infections. Uh, Dr. McCants-Katz, as it turns out, um, I have, for whatever reason, a lot of teachers in this listening audience, a lot of educators, I think a lot of school administrators. I know this just based on the feedback I get, email and so forth, uh, Twitter retweets, etc. Um, to the uh, to the degree you, you, you would, uh, would you talk to them for a moment and tell them the two or three or even just one the most important things they need to know going forward on a policy basis, listening to you, a Ph.D. in immunology, an M.D. in psychiatry, what would you tell teachers they should know more than anything right now? I would, I would tell teachers that the virus is, uh, it is an entity that we must learn to live with, that what we're seeing, the decreasing virulence of the virus is something that we've seen before. This is the normal course for these kinds of, of, of diseases. And that's a, that's a good thing. That's very encouraging. I would say that we know that children are not um, major transmitters of the virus. It's not to say that they can't transmit. Certainly they can. But if we look at the, the uh, overall situation, uh, it's, it's more likely that an adult is going to give the virus to a child than a child to an adult. Ah. But I would say to teachers that if they have uh, vulnerabilities themselves or they're worried about loved ones at home, that they protect themselves with masks, that we have mitigation strategies in our schools, good hygiene, um, good ventilation is really key. We've seen studies that show how important ventilation is in schools, that uh, vaccination is hugely important. This is a vaccine that, uh, I mean, really, this, the vaccine, when I think about it, it's a miracle that it was produced so rapidly. And really, the side effect profile of the vaccine is really very, very minimal. 
and I would encourage everyone um, to to get the vaccine. Uh, doctor, I think that yeah, using go. those kinds of, of of strategies, children can be safely taught in schools, and they need to be in school. Keep them in school. Keep the children in school. Overarching message. Yeah. Well, I'm a groupie of yours, doctor, and I, I'm going to I'm going to bother you more now that you're in the, out of the public <laughs> sector, or at least the national or the federal public sector. I'm going to be bothering you a lot more. You were right from the beginning, and if we had listened to you we'd have a lot less of the devastation we have now. I, I just want to thank you for, for, for your teaching and uh, thanking, thank you for your availability as well. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'd be happy to talk with you again. And, uh, and, I, and I really do hope that, that, um, that, that people will start to think through what's going on with the virus and that we need to attend to all aspects of our health. That's it. I call it whole health. Yep. We must pay attention to all of our health needs. When we don't, we are in trouble. And it's uh, something you said back in, 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 in May of 2020, which is the coronavirus and its effects on the lungs is not the only problem we have here. Not the only problem, and we shouldn't be changing all of society to direct itself at that problem while neglecting youth and brains. Lungs are important. Maybe brains are important too, right? Absolutely. That's right. Eleanor McCants Katz, thank you for everything. Thank you. Y'all take care. Y'all take care as well. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. That Sammy Kershaw voice, that's just an old country voice. You don't hear the likes of much of that anymore. A little here and there. Not as much as uh, one used to. But gosh, I I just love some of his stuff. Uh, and I love that voice. Um, you, 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 you sometimes don't know where to go anymore um, uh, for certain questions. I, I remember when... Um, when my teacher, Harry Jaffa, died, one of his students, one of my fellow students of his with him said, who do I go to now that my – with all my questions now? Who do I go to with all my questions now that he's, he's gone, now that he's passed on? Um, I, I have a word question and I don't know who to go to. Maybe someone in the audience can help me out. I would have maybe thought to write Bill Buckley once upon a time. But um, – but my producer Bill once asked, "Is there a word or a phrase for for answering an argument that wasn't made, responding to an argument that wasn't made? Like when they did the mask campaign here in Arizona, and they something the, 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 it was with a, a boxer, a pugilist of some sort, saying, "Who says you're weak if you wear a mask?" And it's, Bill pointed out smartly that he said, "You know." Did anyone ever say <laughs> this had to do with weakness and strength and that you were a wimp for wearing a mask? They're answering. They're making an argument that was never never made. And the best I could do with this at the time was it's a straw man. And then after reading more Buckley, I, I came upon the uh, the fallacy known as ignoratio alenci. Ignoratio alenci, refuting an argument by responding to that not argued. Well, we've come upon another conundrum in our in our, in our search for words. And it came out of the secret Santa business uh, that um, that occurred here at 9.60 a.m. Maybe it's happened in some of your office environments as well. 
But Bill was given a gift from someone we don't know because it was a secret Santa and, and we're better than the CIA on that, I guess. <laughs> we can keep our secrets here. Uh, so he doesn't know who gifted him this, but someone gifted him something. Can we say what it was? Sure. Well, I don't I haven't seen it. What was it? It's a rush blanket, a blanket uh, with a tapestry of the band Rush album covers and pictures of of the three of them. Because because whoever gave you this gift knows that you love the band Rush. We have to say the band Rush. We being in radio. Rush. Some, yeah. Somehow this employee found out that I like that. Rush. That, that Yeah. Maybe by listening to the show, perhaps in any event. Uh, but you made an interesting comment, which was. You like it so much you don't want to use it. And is there a word for a gift whose preservation, whose value is greater to you than its deployment, than its use? And I don't know what that word is. The best I could think of is, I, you know, if you gift someone maybe a fancy bottle of wine, people collect who collect wine, they don't usually open it. They collect it. They keep it. Um, it, it Unlike the reservations in Seinfeld at at the car rental place, they actually do keep it. They hold on to it. Um, but but that's different because that's known as the purpose. The purpose of that wine is not to drink it. The purpose of it is to collect it, to hold it, to have it. I suppose one could say the same of a baseball card. Well, at least a collector's baseball card. It's not to trade it. It's to have it. If you collect stamps – great stamps given to you. You're not going to put on an envelope. You're going to keep them. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about something that could be used as a utility, um, like a blanket with rush covers on it. But to you, you don't want to muss, muss, muss it up with – you have a baby puppy. Right. Yeah, I don't want to be tossing it into the laundry and getting it all faded. Yeah. Maybe the occasional you know, snuggle up on the couch underneath it now and then. But you have a new puppy, and puppies love stuff like this. Oh, yeah. They'll chew. Do you want to tell everyone the name of your puppy while we're at it? Uh, Gordon. Named after the character on Sesame Street? That's a nice guess, but no. Gord Downey, lead singer of the Tragically Hip. <laughs> you have levels, Bill. Bill, you have levels. Anyway, if anyone knows what the word is we're searching for, we'd love to uh, We'd love to know it. By the way, on that Eleanor McCants Katz interview, let me reiterate. This is a Ph.D. in, in – in um, epidemiology and an MD in psychiatry. I think I said immunology. I meant epidemiology. A PhD in epidemiology, Yale, Yale, not a fly-by-night, and Cambridge, and an MD in psychiatry. And her speech was torn apart by the media in May of 2020 when she was warning about the mental health problems kids would face. Here's a headline. Top health official accused of politicizing U.S. mental health. Because she warned about it, she was politicizing it. How was she politicizing it? Because she was questioning the value, actually condemning the value of lockdowns on our children and the mental health fallout that would come. And now, you know, as I said, the New York Times and the Surgeon General in this administration are all okay. Here's the headline from the New York Times. No way to grow up. For the past two years, Americans have accepted more harm to children in exchange for less harm to adults. That's sick. We are, uh, as regular listeners to this show know, we are um, 
often invoking Alexander Solzhenitsyn's uh, statement, Live Not by Lies. And, uh, of course, that was a, a title of a book uh, based on Solzhenitsyn's warnings uh, written by uh, – was it Rod Dreher, right? Um, just last – this past year, Live Not by Lies. And it was the essay when he wrote it, Solzhenitsyn, that uh, led to his exile. But we do live with a lot of lies. And I say that in the context of a day that has seen the uh, recrudescence of the phrase the big lie, probably more used today on this day, January 6, 2022, than ever before. And I, I don't want us as a culture to accept that just because it's put in an echo chamber or repeated. There are a lot of big lies in this culture, in this country, in our history. And the one that was promoted by the left today isn't even close, it doesn't even come into the same ballpark as some of the even bigger lies, worse lies, that the left has perpetrated on our society and that so many of us have accepted and adopted. Probably not listeners to this show or not most, I would think, but that too much of our culture just kind of shrugs, it, shrugs its shoulders and lives with. We were once making a list. I don't know if we still have it, Bill. We, we may not. It's not that important if we don't. But for years, I used to say that never again was a lie. When we used to say never again after the Holocaust, that was a, that was a lie because we have watched nothing at that scale of enormity or slaughter in uh, a single confined period of time directed at a single people. And we haven't seen that, but we've seen things close and approaching that we've done less about. We have um, we have also, in too many cases, adapted to when not adopting the very philosophies that led to, shall we say, the successful execution of things like the Holocaust, of things like the deaths of the victims of communism which over longer period of times and over vaster numbers of countries and over vaster numbers of discrete individuals killed, I don't know, at this point, probably on the order of at least 100 times what happened in the Holocaust. At least 100 times what happened in the Holocaust. We, we used to call it our long twilight struggle, the fight against communism. And of course, there has to be something said that's healthy a little bit, healthy just a little bit about the fact that Nazi fascist is still considered or fascist is still considered a pejorative, though losing its poignancy, lo losing its rhetorical toxicity because of overuse, applying it where it doesn't belong. So in all those ways, we have turned the phrase never again into a lie. Of course, we allow these things to happen again and again. 
And then there's this weird half-life, this weird half-life that liberals have picked up. William Galston, I used to think of him as one of the more serious Democrats. He's a liberal who writes for the Wall Street Journal. By the way, pause on that parenthetically for a moment. The point Tevi Choi likes to make. Notice that the only page in America where a moderate Democrat can have a regular column is in the op-ed page of the Wall Street Journal. It's true. He is, a, he is a regular columnist for the Wall Street Journal. He's a scholar at the Brookings Institute. He was an advisor to Bill Clinton. He's a liberal who um, who is, uh, at least by measurement against the current Democratic Party, a moderate. And yet he even had his most recent column saying he used to think it couldn't happen here. It couldn't happen here. Remember those questions in the 60s and 70s, could it happen here? And he's saying, though, when he sees things like January 6th, he thinks it can. You know, the fact that he succumbs to this, or whether he's just relying on this to get a cheap column out, I don't know. But the lies of the left, far worse, far more toxic to our society. I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one. America is a... America is a systemically racist society. That's a lie. And it does a lot of damage, incalculable amounts of damage. And anyway, uh, something to think about. We'll be right back. I could, I could see the police being a great concert. I could see that. I could see that. Anyway, uh, welcome back to this. Oh, you know what was another? You know what was another one? I have to tell you it was Simon and Garfunkel. That was a great concert, uh, especially uh, when they brought out uh, the Everly Brothers. Uh, they said, you know, <coughs> they performed "Wake Up, Little Susie." <coughs> Excuse me, and they said we got this from the Everly Brothers, and here they are, the Everly Brothers, and they brought them out. That was a heck of a great concert. All right. Earlier I was postulating that, you know, while the virus won't go away, maybe some of the fear, panic and disorientation of our culture over it will and soon. Maybe it's already begun. I gave a few indicators in the last hour. This story just popped up on Fox News. It should be angering. Actually, I remember after uh, three years after 9-11, Deborah Burlingame, whose, hus- whose brother Chick was one of the pilots uh, in uh, on 9-11 that uh, was taken hostage and went into the Pentagon. Deborah Burlingame became a spokesman of sorts for some of the family survivors of 9-11. About three years after 9-11, I remember she was on an interview with Neil Cavuto. And he said, what do you, aside obviously from the lives that are gone, what do you miss most? Uh, what 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 is absent most in your mind as we commemorate 9-11? And, you know, he, he probably was expecting her to say something lacrimal and sad or something patriotic. She said, I miss the anger. She said, I miss the anger. And she's she was right then. She would still be right if she says it still. She may. I haven't been in touch with her in a while. She was right. And when I tell you this story, the reaction shouldn't be a sigh of relief. 
That can be your second reaction. The first one should be anger. Again, because preventable. Again, because unnecessary. Again, because we listened to the wrong people and didn't have to. You could have listened to the right people. We chose not to listen to the right people for partisan, political, and disoriented, anxiety-ridden purposes. Here it is. Six members of the advisory board that worked with President Biden during his transition period before taking office are now calling on him to take a different approach to the COVID-19 pandemic than the one he is currently using. In a series of opinion articles posted by the Journal of the American Medical Association, JAMA, doctors Ezekiel Emanuel, you know him, if you don't, you know him by his brother, Michael Osterholm, you've heard me mention him before, Celine Gounder, David Michaels, Rick Bright, and Luciana Borio offered various suggestions for how to move forward. As Emanuel and Osterholm wrote in a piece, Quote, as the Omicron variant of SARS-CoV-2 demonstrates, COVID-19 is here to stay. The goal for the new normal with COVID-19 does not include eradication or elimination, e.g. the zero COVID strategy. Neither COVID-19 vaccination nor infection appear to confer lifelong immunity. Current vaccines do not offer sterilizing immunity against SARS-CoV-2 infection. Infectious diseases cannot be eradicated when there is limited long-term immunity following infection or vaccination or non-human reservoirs of infection. My God, a lot of us were saying this in 2020, and a lot of us were saying this in 2021. And while Joe Biden was talking about not shutting down the country, but shutting down the virus, his advisors are now saying, as we were then saying, that's not really possible, at least the second part. It's not really possible. The new normal, these experts, these Democrat virologists and immunologists and epidemiologists say, the new normal, quote, should be recognizing that SARS-CoV-2 is but one of several circulating respiratory viruses that include influenza, respiratory sinusoidal virus, and more. My God, if you tried to compare COVID to those things a year or two ago, Twitter would shut you down, as would Facebook, and you would be shamed. Shamed. Okay, so let's work in reverse. The second emotion should be a degree of relief. Although, by the way, I have to tell you, Jen Psaki isn't, isn't buying it. She's not listening to the scientists. Joe Biden said we had to listen to and who he listened to. Those were his advisors. She was asked about it today. She was asked about this op-ed today from these advisors, and she said she had not read the article, but that Biden's goal is still, quote, to defeat the virus. Okay. Who's flying in the face of science now? Michael Osterholm, as far as I can recall, I'll say it again. I've said it before. If you don't know him, that's fine. I've, I've just known him from other radio gigs because he he was the go-to epidemiologist before people knew of Anthony Fauci, and Anthony Fauci wasn't available in the way he is now for the media. 
But with other breakouts, outbreaks, um, any number of them from avian to you name it, Michael Osterholm was the go-to. He's probably at the time in the in the in the nineties and well, not so much the nineties, but in the aughts, early aughts, two thousands. He was he was the go-to epidemiologist. He was Joe Biden. He was the first to say that cloth masks are worthless. Don't use them. That's as far as I can tell. He was the first. Now everyone is saying it, except for those who haven't gotten the message and those who still like to sell them. And NPR came out with a story two weeks ago saying cloth masks are no longer recommended, but they still sell them on their website. They still sell them on their website. So anyway, as you get a sense of relief over the fact that we may – be returning to a sense of normalcy here and that Chicago and San Francisco will be outliers. New York, let's hope that they are. Let's hope that they get the message from science. Let's hope that they get the message from Joe Biden's advisors. While we we want to take some repose in that relief, don't let go of the anger. Don't let go of the anger. There has to be some accountability here. Not because we have to prove we were right. We'll be wrong about things from time to time, of course. But that we were so certain we were right and backed it up and they were so certain they were and couldn't. But we went with them and not us. Be angry about that. Are those considered reverse Mondegreens? I don't know. They're not really lyrics. I mean a scat a scat singing can't be considered Mondegre- reverse Mondegreen. It's its own thing. That's certainly not being scat. But, you know, it's something. I don't know. It's Neil Sadaka is what it is. It's great. Thank you for that. Thank you for spending some of your afternoon with us. I was just kind of thinking about um, something I said in passing. I want you to focus on it just a little bit. When you think about the children's crisis we've created with our COVID protocols, New York Times, New York Times, um, two days ago, two days ago, January 4th, no, the title, No Way to Grow Up. Now, the subtitle, this should anger you too. For the past two years, Americans have accepted more harm to children in exchange for less harm to adults. If that were true, that should anger you. I'm not sure it's true, which angers you even more, because I'm not sure what we did to children did create less harm for adults. But let's assume arguendo that it did. Let's assume arguendo that it did. Americans have accepted more harm to children in exchange for less harm to adults. Name me a society in the history of the world that we praise that has acted that way. History of the world where we have used the children to protect adults. I can think of a few. They're not praiseworthy. Think about the besiege and what they did. Using children to sweep minefields as they attached plastic keys around their necks. Is that who we've become? Is that who we've become? Anger. Maybe we'll have a discussion about anger tomorrow. There is a place for it. There is one. And there's a channel for it. I could make a double entendre. I'll leave it alone. I'll just say, God bless you all. Until tomorrow. Class dismissed. Thank you. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.